Space Case by Stuart Gibbs. Chapter 1 Evil Plumbing. Let's get something straight right off the bat. Everything the movies have ever taught you about space travel is garbage. Giant spacecraft that are comfortable as floating cruise ships. Complete fantasy. Warp speed travel? Never going to happen. Holodecks? Terraforming? Beaming up? Don't count on any of it. Life in outer space sucks. Trust me. I know. My name is Dashiell Gibson. I'm 12 years old, and I live on the moon. On moon base Alpha, to be exact. To be exact. You know this. Of course. Everyone on Earth knows this. Unless they've been living on the, on the Amazon rainforest for the last two years. And since there's barely anything left in the Amazon rainforest, I'm guessing that's unlikely. Moonbase Alpha, along with everyone who lives on it, has been the subject of absolute staggering amount of hype. The first human outpost in space. The first people to live on the crustal body besides Earth. A glorious first step of mankind's ultimate colonization of the galaxy. The government fed my family with all that baloney as well. Back when they recruited my parents. And I admit, I completely fell for it. We all did. The recruiters made everything sound so amazing. Moonbase Alpha would have it all. Comforts of Earth and more. We'd go down in history as one of the first families to live in fate in space. We'd be the newest breed of pioneers, pushing the limits of human achievement. Like I said, garbage. Living in Moon Base Alpha is like in a giant tin can built by government contractors. It's as comfortable as an oil refinery. You can't go outside. The food is horrible. It's always cold, and the toilets might as well be medieval torture devices. Ever notice how in science fiction movies and TV shows you've ever seen Star Wars and Battlestar Gal Galactia and all 142 versions of Star Trek? No one, ha no one ever goes to the bathroom. That's because in the future, everyone has figured out how to metabolize their own feces. It's because going to the bathroom in space is a complete pain in the butt. Literally. At least the moon-based toilet is better than the one on the spaceship we took here. In zero gravity, when you have to take extremely precautions to ensure that whatever comes out of your body doesn't fly into your face. There's an oddly saying in zero-G space travel. If you've ever seen a piece of chocolate floating around the cabin, don't eat it. It's probably not chocolate. However, using the toilet on Moonbase Alpha is no picnic. If I know how exceptionally complicated and disgusting it would be, I never would have agreed to leave Earth. It was because one of those evil toilets that I wound up.
involved in far more trouble than danger than I could ever have imagined. Now, before you get the idea that I'm some whiny, ungrateful kid who just likes to complain and wouldn't be happy anywhere, I'm not. Before my family made the awful decision to come live on the moon, I was happy as any kid you would ever meet. Happier, maybe. We lived on the big island of Hawaii, which was awesome. Mom worked at the W.M. Keck Observatory, which runs the telescopes on, on the peak of Mount of Mauna Kea. Although the scopes are 13,000 feet up, they're managed remotely from the town of Waima, which meant we could live down here by the beach. So my childhood was pretty idyllic. I had lots of friends. I did well in school and played every sports team. I surfed every weekend, and when I did, there was usually dolphins in the waves with me. Then the government came calling. See, my parents have a unique set of skills. Mom is a lunar geologist who wrote some landmark papers about the moon and consistency of its mantle and core. Dad is a mining engineer with a specialty in environmentally sound mineral extraction. And one of the major reasons for the moon base is to explore the possibility of mining precious metals there. Separately, Mom and Dad would each have been solid candidates for the moon base alpha. Together, they were an impossible combination to beat. Space is limited on the moon. With them, NASA got two scientists without having to spend two separate families. So, they wanted my folks badly. We got the full court press. Politicians called us. The chairman of NASA came to visit. We were all flown to Washington, D.C. First class for lunch with the vice president, and every last one of them lied to our faces of how great it would be to live on the moon. That made it sound like MBA was going to be incredible, like our lives there would be non-stop thrills and amazement. Imagine hearing that you've just won free three-year stay in the most luxurious hotel in the most insane location. Imaginable. Oh, and you get to be famous too. Not flashed in the pit. One hit wonder. Reality TV. Famous. Have kids learn about you in school a hundred years from now. Famous. We all were going to be lumped in the greatest explorations of all. Maybe even score our own chapter in history books. Famous. Columbus, Magellan, Neil Armstrong, the Harris-Gibson family, a moon base alpha. It all sounded too good to pass up, so we said yes. We spent the next year training, but then you know that. All the families who were heading for the NBA became celebrities right off the bat. NASA tried to get everyone to refer us as lunar knots. But the public ended up calling us Moonies instead. The whole world watched all our preparations for life on the moon. Our multiple aborted launch launch rations for life on the moon. 
our multiple aborted launch attempts, and finally successful blast off into space, and we're our triumphant arrival on our new home. And now that we're on the moon, millions of people are still following our lives via webcams, con links, and beam feeds. And yet, despite all that, you Earthlings never get to see the whole story. Instead, you see the edited and sanitized version. There's too much at stake to allow anything else to go through. We Moonies are barred from broadcasting, texting, and transmitting anything to the public that might be detrimental to the success of Moon Base Alpha. And if we try, NASA has sensors who will delete it before it goes to public. We can't complain about the toilets or the food or the malfunctioning equipment. We can't mention anything has ever gone wrong. We have to consistently present a positive face to the public, even when there is nothing to be positive about. Which is why no one on Earth has ever heard about the murder. I only got enrolled because I had to use the space toilet at 2.15 in the morning. On the moon, this is a major endeavor because we don't have to a toilet in our own private living quarters. Something else the government neglected to mention was taking up the moon base. Space toilets cost more than 13 million bucks apiece, so instead of springing for one each family, the moon base designers only bought six and placed them in a communal bathrooms. Three for the girls, three for the guys. The living quarters are all in one section of the base. But the geniuses who designed MBA put the bathrooms on the opposite side. The logical explanation for this was the bathrooms would be closer to the work and dining areas where we, in theory, would spend most of our awake time. Unfortunately, this means, this means that when the urge to purge strikes in the middle of the night, you have to get dressed, leave your quarters, cross the base, and, the and use the complicated toilet. Then head back again. It can take 15, or minute, 15 minutes or more if the toilet jams which happens far more often than anyone predicted. Everyone at MBA loathes the entire process. Sometimes I can resist the call of nature and go back to sleep, but on that night, I knew it was useless. I had chicken parma... Parmesan for dinner. Sort of. Like all our meals, it was shrink-wrapped block and pre-cooked food that had been irritated, thermostabilized, dehydrated, and compacted, which meant it didn't taste like chicken parmesan back home. In fairness, a few space foods are actually pretty good. Shrimp cocktail and chocolate pudding, for example. But for the most part, they all taste like wet sawdust. Some of the other moon kids and I once did a blind test taste of three theoretically different space foods. Beef strong ganoff, blueberry pancakes, and chicken 
tikka masala. No one was able to tell the difference. While almost everything tastes the same going through it, it all drastically different effects on digestive tract. Chicken parmesan is the worst. It had sent me racing to John in the middle of the night twice before. So I had avoided it like the plague ever since. But on that night, I screwed up. All the meals don't merely taste alike. They also look alike. Once you're irritated, thermal stabilized, dehydrated, and compacted a meal, it doesn't look like food anymore. It looks like a toy block. For this reason, the meals have an identification sticker to tell them apart. But the stickers often come off, and sometimes things just get labeled wrong. I had rehydrated and thought the beef teriyaki for dinner, but due to the blandness, I was halfway through it. Before I realized my mistake, by then it was too late. I chucked the roommates in the trash compactor, a flagrant, violent of the moon bases food conservation directivities, and hoped for the best. Instead, I found myself running for the toilets at 2.15. My bowels were rumbling so loudly, I was surprised they didn't wake up everyone else at the NBA. Actually, what I really did was bound for the toilets. The moon's gravity is the only one-sixth of the Earth. Zero gravity, which is which we experienced on the spaceship, could be fun, but one-sixth gravity is disorienting. For the few days at MBA, everyone essentially had to learn how to walk again and spent a lot of time crashing in the walls. We eventually got the hang of it, though we still made mistakes at times. I covered a dozen feet which eat with each leap as I hurried through the base, doing my best not to wipe out and root. At first glance, the men's bathroom looks like any normal communal bathroom on Earth. Tiled floor, three stalls, even a bit of graffiti on the walls. For a good time, called Princess Leah. Leia. However, there are no sinks and no urinals, and the toilets look as though some sadistic plumber manned a vacuum cleaner with an octopus. The biggest problem is going to the bathroom on the moon and the scarcity of water. Nah, nah, nah. Nassau found some ice near the North Pole, but it's difficult to extract, and there isn't much of it, which means every last drop of H2O we have is incredibly precious. Therefore, you don't flush your poop at MBA. Instead, you essentially do your business in a, in a plastic bag, which is then hermetically sealed, dehydrated, and Sucked into a composter. As for your pee, you have to use a suction hose, which whisks everything away to process that filters out 
impurities and sends the rest back into the main reserve tank. Yes, we drink our own urine in space. They left that out of Star Trek too. The sitting on the toilet part of the process usually takes about five minutes, but thanks to the chicken parmesan, I was there for a long haul that night. Thankfully, there was a slim screen monitor on the inside of the stall door, so I could catch up on the latest news from Earth. In Game 2 of the World Series, the Charlotte Gladiators have beaten the Vegas Mustangs 6-3. to Once I was done, I hit the evacuate button. To my dismay, the toilet jammed. It made a loud, garging noise like a cat with a hairball. Then a message on the slim screen informed me that the separator had failed and wouldn't evacuate my poop until it was replaced. Unfortunately, I had no idea what a separator was. Help, I said. How may I be of assistance, the base computer asked. Speaking through the slim screen, the base computer always speaks in attractive female voice. That's one thing the movies got right. Although I think the computer might have been programmed with a female voice because the movies had conditioned us to expect one. Most of the time it's rather soothing, but then when you're a 12-year-old boy on the toilet and your pants all the way around your ankles, a sexy female voice can be a bit undervating. And how do I replace the separator on the toilet? I asked. And then thought to add quickly, I would be delighted to process your request, the communicator replied. A second later, instructions appeared on the screen. Thankfully, they weren't too complicated. And three were several spare separators stored in a bin above the toilet. Replacing it wasn't easy, though. It looked another 15 minutes. Which was why I was in the bathroom when Dr. Holtz walked in. Ronald Holtz was one of the most brilliant men I've ever met. He was an expert in low-gravity human physiology. Essentially how the body holds up in space and was his own best guinea pig. He had done three extended tours on the International Space Station, ISS for short. And thus had spent more time in space than virtually anyone alive. He was now almost 70. Though he was in better shape than most men his age. Plus everyone liked him. He was always cheerful and friendly and knew thousands of jokes. When the time had come to select a physician for the base, there hadn't been any other choice. I was almost done replacing the separator when I heard Dr. Holt center. I knew it was him because he was humming. Dr. Holt hummed whenever he was in a good mood. He was doing an upbeat tune that night. One my grandparents liked. By the time, old, old, old time singer named Lady Gaga. He didn't have any idea I was there, and I didn't try to tell him. I liked Dr. Holt a lot. But I didn't want to startle him, and I didn't want to reveal that I'd busted the toilet. I'd listen to him enter the first stall, pee, evacuate it, and then sanitize his hands. 
Humming the whole time, he walked out when I heard him stop suddenly. Hey, he said, as though he was greeting someone. I hadn't heard anyone else enter, so I assumed Dr. Holtz had just answered a phone call. He didn't seem very surprised to be doing this at 2.30 in the morning, so I figured he'd been expecting a call. I felt guilty eavesdropping, but I also didn't want to burst out of the stall and suddenly reveal my presence. I couldn't think of a third option, so I stayed put and listened. Yes, Dr. Holt said. I think the time has come to reveal the truth. The other person must have asked why. Because I don't see any point in keeping it a secret anymore, Dr. Holtz replied. It's too important. I know you have reservations, but I assure you this is for the best. There is a pause while he listened to the other person talking. The space toilet chose this moment to belch some gas that had built up in the system. Luckily, it wasn't loud, and Dr. Holtz was too distracted to notice. However, since I was perched right over the bowl... The gust of space swirl fumes hit me full on. It was like having an elephant break wind in my face. I almost heaved up for the rest of my chicken parmesan. No, I don't think so. Dr. Holt said out in the bathroom, this could be the most important discovery of all time in human history. I've kept it under wraps for far, far long, and I have expected as it is. People need to know. Another pause. Well, no, I can't tell everyone, Dr. Holt said. Not yet. I don't have the authority in, to inform the general public. But NASA should know about this, and the government and the ISS. There are far better scientists than I, than I who ought to be privy for this. Another, Another pause. While I was fascinated by what Dr. Holtz was saying, wondering what he could possibly be talking about, I was also desperately trying to control my queasy stomach. The nausea was passing, but it was taking its time. If the toilet released any more gas, I'd puke for sure. When Dr. Holtz spoke again, he sounded thrilled, giddy with excitement. Then you agree? That's fascinating. I promise you won't regret this. Everyone's going to be fine. Better than fine. It's going to be wonderful. The other person evidently asked when the news was going to be revealed. First thing in the morning, Dr. Holtz replied, I'd wake everyone here and tell them now if I could. We've been waiting long enough. A final pause. All right. Let's say breakfast then. Seven o'clock tomorrow. We're going to make history. Dr. Holtz then broke into laughter. Deliriously happy. Uncontrolled laughter, although I'd found his entire conversation intriguing. This was the most startling thing of of all. I'd ever I never heard Dr. Holtz laugh like that before. In fact I'd never heard anyone laugh like that before. It was like he'd just snorted a whole tank of laughing gas. I listened to it fade away as Dr. Holtz left the bathroom and headed back toward the living quarters. My stomach was feeling better, so I thought about running after Dr. Holtz and asking what was up. But I had my hands full with toilet paper. 
In retrospect, I wish I said to heck with the toilet because Dr. Holst didn't end up revealing his amazing news to anyone the next morning after all. Instead, at 5.30 a.m. in direct violation of official moon base alpha rules, he made an unauthorized trip to the airlock onto the surface of the moon. Two minutes later, he was dead.